sometimes a real trial for someone who went to college with a slide rule. You know anything about that, Bill? <laughs> a slide rule, three pieces of stick or ivory covered if you could get a good one that hopefully didn't bend and had a little indicator on it, and if you twisted it the wrong way, you read everything wrong, then it had all these scales, and you had to use certain scales to multiply and take it into chemistry class, and it was a real pain in the neck. But thank God we've been delivered from that, right? <laughs> well, my subject this morning is really involved in our born-again experience. And I'm hoping that, uh, in fact, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you've told us that we can pray for more of your Holy Spirit. And if we pray for bread, you won't give us a stone. So this morning, I ask you to quicken us by your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. So, the born-again experience is really a translation from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers, participants, of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So each of us, if we've given our heart to Jesus, have gone through this process. And if I had to ask you, I would imagine that everyone's experience is a little different. I can remember going to church, I'm different maybe than a lot of people because I spent six months considering these things and getting myself in order as much as possible and going to church specifically to be saved. And the Lord had sent, sent two people with me and probably some of you already heard my testimony and I traveled throughout New England with these two people. One was a Baptist and one was a Pentecostal. And while they spoke to me about the Word of God, I blew smoke, you know. And so when I got saved, I was smoking probably two packs a day. I'd come back from Vietnam. I would say I was heavily oppressed. Interesting thing about being in that condition is we don't know it. We don't know what it is not to be oppressed until we give our heart to the Lord. And so hopefully in that situation, we've all entered in. If not this morning, I believe the Lord draws you and you're here being drawn to the Father, drawn to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we used to sing songs about this in Sunday school, and it went in one ear and out the other. There probably wasn't much in between, slowing it down. <laughs> but anyway, I remember these things, and then having 
left that church and my father passed away 10 days after I got out of Vietnam. I thought I'm gonna come home, I'm gonna spend some time with my dad. And my dad passed away 10 days after I came home from the service. So after that, I went to work in the post office. I stayed with my mom and I tried to help my mom through this situation and because my dad was never sick. He just fell over and had an aneurysm in the back of his head. And uh, he died within two days. The miraculous thing, which I think I shared here before, was that I wasn't really walking with the Lord, although I went to Vietnam and asked the Lord to, that I would never have to kill anyone. That I'd never come home with that. And my brother was up near the DM, the demilitarized uh, zone, the DMZ in Vietnam, and he saw a lot of death. And so the Lord miraculously delivered me from that situation, even though I was in an infantry outfit, infantry battalion. And they asked me if I wanted to be an officer. And an officer's lifespan was two weeks at that time in Vietnam. So I really wasn't interested in being an officer. (laughs) (laughs) But I really wasn't interested in the war. So uh, it was a a difficult transition for me to begin with to be there, although I felt like I had had an obligation to my country and I wanted to be able to see my relatives. And the ones who left weren't guaranteed any entrance back into the United States. So that was given to them later. So I'm telling you this because what I'm saying to you is I came back oppressed from Vietnam. And uh, I spent time with these men uh, traveling throughout New England, and they told me many things about serving the Lord. And I understood a lot of that when I went in to receive the Lord. So I asked my aunt, I said, where does Bud go to church? And she told me. And I went in that church, and everybody in that church had their hands up in the air. And Bud had never been in that church. And as soon as I walked in, I thought, these people really believe something. I'd never seen anything like this. And so that was the beginning of my relationship with the Lord. And two weeks before uh, I gave my heart to the Lord, I enrolled in a Baptist teaching course, and one of them was evangelism. So I had memorized these scriptures. And I remember the evening that I gave my heart to the Lord, they quoted the verse to me, that we give out on a regular basis that says if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God raised Christ from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So the assistant pastor came up with me and kneeled down and prayed those words with me. And when the enemy came, because I think he comes to all of us to try to take away what we believe, He wants our faith, because our faith is the thing that gives us victory. If he can get our faith, then he's got us. 
So recently I was thinking, I said, you know, one of the things the Lord told us to put on was the helmet of salvation. In the Old Testament it says, as a man thinking in his heart, so is he. And most of the battles, many of the battles are in our minds. And we have to protect our mind. And it says out of the heart grows, comes the issues of life. But we know that heart, when the, when the Israelites are talking about, really is the center of everything. And that's, some people have said, the longest mile is from here to here. There's some things that we understand in our mind, but have not really taken root in our heart. When Jesus talks about the seed and the sowing of the seed and compares it to the word, he shows all these different types of soil. One of them is, well, if you don't understand, the devil will come and take it away from you. And so our solution to these problems is to maintain a relationship with the Lord, to seek him through his word, to understand his word. In the beginning, it says God has given us the earnest of his spirit, the down payment he has given to us. And God said if we would pray, he would give us more of the Holy Spirit. And it's a verse that's very similar that says when he gives you, when you pray for bread, he doesn't give you a stone. You know, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. John 4 and 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so I thought, well, it's interesting that Jesus has said this, right? That he is the life. He's the light of men. And so I looked it up in the Greek and I said, what's, what's, what's God really talking about? And the Greek says, it's a shining radiance. And so I started to think about that. You know, when Moses came down from the mountain, he glowed from being in the presence of God. Said they couldn't look on his face. About two years ago, while I was in Maui, I would go to a Bible study at 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning with the older men of the church, one of the churches. And when I went to that one Saturday morning, the leader said, would you like to come is there anyone here who would like to come with me and go to the hospital? And he named the man, and the man was a former teacher of that, apparently a real student of the word, but a former teacher in that Bible study. So I said, I'll go. And uh, I've been to this meeting probably at least three different years while I've been in Maui. We went to the hospital And in the bed was a man whose face glowed with the presence of the Lord. And and he was going through cancer, but he had made up his mind. They had given him everything they could give him. And he hadn't made any progress. And he had made up his mind that he was going to be with the Lord. And he was sitting there at peace. 
and the glory of the Lord was all over them. And I thought, they gave a testimony of a man who started the churches of, the church is a $1.4 million church. Went through some hard times when 9-11 came. And the man who started the church had another, there were two men who started this church years ago. One of them was a surfer, I don't know. But the, one of them got cancer. And they said when he got up on the platform that the presence of the Lord was all over him. And it was like he didn't have cancer. And so anyway, I thought of this shining light that, that Jesus said lights every man. So it has to do with our life, right? And, and then I thought again, and I said, you know, I was up in Elkhart, Indiana, and we had monthly meetings we used to go to that were given around the state. And we had one that we ran in Warsaw, Indiana, and there was another one in Elkhart. So I went up to Elkhart, and I sat down in that meeting. And there was a black man there who glowed with the presence of the Lord. And so I went over to him, you know, after the meeting, and I talked to him, and I said, I'd like to have you come and teach at our meeting. And it's, it's another instance of the presence of God on somebody. I used to pray when I went to the restaurant that the Lord would show me who was a pastor and who was not, and oftentimes he would show me. And I would talk to those people. And they would have the presence of the Lord on them. So we know that God really wants to anoint us. And when we enter, when we leave the kingdom of darkness and enter the kingdom of his dear son, the Holy Spirit takes up residence. It also says that God himself takes up residence in you and in me. And it says, wherever two or more are gathered, there is he in the midst. The truth of the matter is, it says he'll never leave us nor forsake us, the truth of the matter is when Jesus is in the midst, the Holy Spirit is there and the Father is there because it's a triune God. There's three of them present wherever one's present. So when we leave the kingdom of darkness and enter the kingdom of his dear son, it's like that. It must be like the rapture. It's like that. I can remember turning around and walking out, and there was a woman who was saying something that didn't make any sense. Only now I had a new sense. There's five senses we're all born with. Five senses. But when we receive the Lord, he puts in there the earnest, the down payment of his Holy Spirit. He says, I'll increase it. That Holy Spirit has a ministry. He's the paraclete. He's the one who draws alongside. He's the one who brings things to remembrance. He's the one, it says, if you're brought before the judge, probably for the case of persecution, that God will give you the things to say. That God is ever-present, and he's working in our lives. And he is trying to lead us and guide us. He is a guide through the Holy Spirit. 
There's different things that we were taught. One thing that was kind of unusual that we were taught early on is that you can receive a check in your spirit. And it's almost like someone clicked their fingers. And someone can say something negative to you, and all of a sudden, you know it doesn't line up with the Word. It doesn't line up with God. It's not God speaking. It's, and, and it's just called that. <laughs> it's, you know, and, and there's other things. I shared it here before, because what I would do is pray before the Lord, and I would ask the Lord about specific things. For instance, how do you decide where to go to work? Is this where God wants you? Does God want you to go here? Does God want you to go there? In Romans 12, and I've talked about that before here, in Romans 12, it talks about us renewing our mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. To prove, to test. There are good ways to test the Lord. And I did that for a long time. And of course we got busy. Eight children and work and all the other responsibilities we had. But I can remember going places, asking the Lord which way to go. I was single. I could do these things. And the Lord would sometimes show me when someone would be somewhere. Or the Lord showed me when to go to the University of Massachusetts where I graduated from. Because someone from Amherst College wanted to meet with me and I needed to bring some information to a group on Canvas. And I wanted to meet the chaplain from the school. And God set up three meetings for me, none of which were planned on all those subjects. And I would pray, and the Lord would show me which weekend to go. Now, we know we all do things, and we don't necessarily all do things the way the Lord wants us to do, and sometimes we don't know what to do or how to do it. And then I would pray, and I would pray specifically about jobs. And one day I prayed about, I was actually accepted at a new job working at this one. I prayed about this job. Should I take this job? Took a, jo a day off and traveled around. First place I went to suggested I go to that job, that place and get a job. They literally told me to go over there. <laughs> the place that I had already had unemployment. So I know God is in the business of showing. It says he has things for us to accomplish, right? And so we need to really be seeking the Lord about where to be open to God. We were taught as younger Christians to yield to the Holy Spirit. And that yielding was the absence of resistance. To yield to the Holy Spirit. So that when the Holy Spirit showed us what to do, that we would yield to him. And sometimes he would show us not to do it. Or to wait. And so God was faithful over all these years with all these children I really have to thank the Lord 
Thank the Lord for the right wife. The Lord showed me I was engaged to the wrong woman. He said to me, that's not your wife. Some things are really important. Some things are very important. So I took a stand, and then a year later I was shown that that stand was right. So God, God is in the business of leading us, guiding us, directing us, speaking to us. He wants to speak to us. He'll interrupt you at times when you're thinking about something else. When Ben broke his arm on the East Coast with my wife, with my wife and all the other children on the East Coast, I had a new job. I couldn't go anywhere. I was in the job one day, and we were believing for God to minister to Ben. I was in a cabinet shop, and I was walking this way, and I turned the corner, and when I turned the corner, the Lord said to me, as easily as I save, I heal. Those were his exact words. And he was healed. Remarkably, I mean miraculously. Now you might say the age of the miracles are past, but they really aren't. And many people are saying that. My friend Bill who owns a farm up north. His mother was sick. She had an operation in Indianapolis. She was sent home to die. His grandmother, who was an ardent believer, took her in. She was healed. I don't know if she's gone to be with the Lord yet, because she was quite old when we all went to church together. Bill was reading in his Bible one day about healing, and the Lord spoke to him. He said, if you believe you're healed, get up. He had a back problem, and he couldn't stand. I'm not recommending this, but I'm going to tell you what happened. He crawled around the barnyard and did his chores. I know at one time when we knew him, he had a thousand head of, of hogs, and he also, I, I think they do 400,000 acres or something, four. Uh, anyway, they do a lot of acreage now, and he's semi-retired. His son's doing it. So he crawled around the yard, and when he crawled around the yard, he said, the devil, who's the accuser of the brethren, right? You know who he is. He was talking to him and telling him, you're a fool. You're a fool for doing this. And Bill continued to do what he was doing. Bill went home. Now, he did this for two or three days. He went home, got into bed, woke up the next day healed. So God is still in the healing business. There's another Bill. He's a pastor in Warsaw. Bill had a scar on his back like this. He had a back operation, worked for one of the orthopedic companies at the time. Needed to go to work. Says, I can't stay home. I have to go to work. 
So he got a walker and went to church on Sunday. He was operated on a Friday or something like that. Goes to church on Sunday. The Holy Spirit or the Lord spoke to him and said, stand up and stamp your feet. And he pulled himself up, stamped his feet, and he was instantly healed. The, doc- the doctor told him he would let him go back to work when he could touch his toes. And he could touch his toes, and he couldn't feel a scar. There's a prominent attorney around here who was in a meeting and got called out. And he thought, well, I, I really have never really thought about this or believed in this. He said, if the Lord wanted to heal me, he'll heal me here. He also had a back problem, and he got healed. I was talking to my wife this morning because there's a fellow named Lloyd who lived up near us, and I, I guess he's moved now. He's a former Amishman. He was out in the barn in the back and on his way to the house, and there was a lot of snow and he got knocked down. He thought someone knocked him down. And a bright light appeared to him. And he was asked to repent. And he was having problems with his wife. And the Amish faith if, can be difficult. I could go into that, but I won't. <laughs> I worked with them for eight years, so I know all about it. I don't know all about it, but I know enough about it. Okay, so, so anyway, Lloyd gave his heart to the Lord. He's serving the Lord. He's no longer an active Amishman. My son David, in the seventh grade, tripped over his shoelace. David was very athletic. Probably would have been in sports all through high school. Tripped over his shoelace, banged his hand against the ceramic baseboard in the high school, and the bone came out. We took him into the surgeon, and they worked on him, and they put screws back in his arm. That was the seventh grade. So by the time he got to the 11th grade, he said, I want to go out for football next year, and I said, why don't you go back to the surgeon and have him check you out? So he went back to the surgeon because he, he'd had these pains in his arm and the screw was stripped and sticking out from the bone. I don't know if it's just one or more, but anyway, he wanted to play football, so the surgeon said, just wrap your arm and you can play football. Of course, that would have been painful, but he did it, so he played football. He got married, he went back, they fixed it. He, he became married right lo- later and uh, down in Florida and we got a call from his wife. His wife said, David's going through excruciating pain. And I said, you better make a, an appointment with the surgeon. And uh, David never made it to the surgeon. The Lord gave him chapter and verse, and he kept getting chapter and verse. And he thought, well, what is this, you know? And so he looked up verse. The verses where Jesus was in the temple, and there was a man with a withered hand. 
And he said, stretch out your hand and it will be healed. And David read the verse, stretched out his hand, and his hand was healed. So we know that God is still working miracles among his people. That what, what's been performed here is in Isaiah's prophecy. By whose stripes you were healed is what it says. But God is a worker of miracles. The fact that we can be taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son is probably, it's, it is, it is the most remarkable miracle we could ever receive. And that God takes up residence in us and that wherever we go, he goes with us, is an amazing, amazing thing. The way we experience more of this is to believe for it and believe it's real. Read about it. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. Some have said it this way. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing. And I could go on and on because that's what it is. He told Joshua, I want you to read this word every morning and then you shall be prosperous. He told David in the, in the first Psalm 1, whatsoever you do shall prosper. That if you don't abide with these scorners, that he will, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. And it doesn't lose, it doesn't wilt. And whatsoever you do shall prosper. So God has called us to this kind of relationship with him. Not without trials. Right? Trials. James said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. How do you count a trial? Joy? One thing that is good for us to do is to realize God is teaching us something. He will teach us through this trial. He wants us to overcome it. Overcomers. Overcomers are the ones that make it in, right? the ones that overcome their trials. God's called us to this kind of relationship with them. And I can remember, I've probably testified here, we would be in situations where we were looking into the corner. I'm sure I've said it here. And it seemed like there was no way out. And then God would dissolve the corner and we'd be free. It says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that shall try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. God has a victory for us. The victory for us. 
You said in James, right? Ask for wisdom. I'm going to read that to you. It says, I want you to ask for wisdom. If you want wisdom, If any of you lack wisdom, which at one time or another is all of us, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. All of us have been in a place where we need to be strengthened. But sometimes we pray for people. Part of the receiving of prayer is our confession. If we confess the opposite of what we are believing for, we're wavering. Does God always manifest the answer to that prayer that moment? No, he doesn't. In fact, he didn't for Jesus, right? There are different instances where one man had a wash in the river. Other people were told to, the pre to go to the priest. He had specific things that he asked them. Sometimes he looked at a blind man and he said, what do you want? Seemed obvious what he wanted, right? But what the man said was an admission of his faith. He was stating what he wanted. When he called for the, says call for the elders of the church. So that means the responsibility is, is with me, not with the elder in the sense that I need to call for the elder, or I need to go. At one time or another, we need help, and, it, and, it, and we are set up that way. God has set us up that way. That's not a bad thing. Because when we help somebody else, we get blessed. When somebody else helps us, they get blessed. And God has brought this whole thing together to develop ministries and to relationships in the kingdom so that we can be used by him. He's given us gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 for the body. He wants developed in every body all these gifts. Some of them are miraculous. A word of wisdom can be miraculous. It can be straight from God, by his Holy Spirit. Prayer is not only what you write on a list, but as the Holy Spirit speaks to you while you're praying, he will communicate to you. Sometimes he will reveal the need or the thing that's stopped up, plugged up, our relationship with the Lord. Because God's 
God intends to be able to move through us and to others. It says, out of our belly, Jesus said this, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the spirit that he had not yet given. He was talking to the disciples. He was telling them, this is what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, a ministry that is anointed by the Holy Spirit and ministered to other people. That anointing is in you, every single one of you. Every single one of you are given the measure of faith, every single one of us. In every single one of us is who has given their heart to the Lord is the earnest, the beginning and more of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit moves through you to touch others. And so we need to yield to him when he tells us to do something. We need to die out, as some people used to say. We need to yield and humble ourselves and listen to God because he has a great things in store for his people. I'm not going to read my notes, I don't think. <laughs> I would like to say this. If you will read, I'll give you a couple scriptures out of Ephesians. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be without blame before him in love. He, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. This is the King James. That means Jesus adopted us. We became his child, his sons, his daughters. We have entered into the kingdom of God. We don't even know what he has for us. I mean, it says it'll be revealed to us, but I share here. We want to talk to this lady who's in her deathbed, and the Lord sends her back, and she's upset because she's seen the streets of gold. She's in her 60s and we're in our 20s and we're talking to this lady that we think we're going to cheer up. The only thing she's worried about is she'd like to be back in heaven. <laughs> no more sickness. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the Beloved. We are, you are, accepted in the beloved. The devil loves to work on people and tell them they don't belong and they're rejected and all this. I'm telling you what God says right here. This is the word spoken to people. It says God breathed is what's in this word. This is the living word of God. The only book that reads you 
It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things by the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of him who first trusted in Christ. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and has raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning that your people, that you've called your people, that you are equipping and have equipped your people. Father, we thank you. We thank you for everything you've done for us, for all that you will do for us, in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, pray that God does his work there. As my dad was speaking, uh, I, I was thinking about something that I've learned a little bit more this year. And, and it's that verse where Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open to you. That's for salvation, amen? That's also for every other thing you're facing. And if God can heal your soul, which was basically damaged back in the garden by your great, 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 however many greats, right? Grandparents. If God can heal your soul from that damage that was caused there and from what you've done yourself, and he can bring you back into relationship with God, then he can heal your body. He can heal your mind. He can heal your finances. He can heal your kids. He can heal anything he desires to touch and heal. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the deacons that are here to come forward for prayer here at the end. And if you have a need yourself, come up right now, deacons. I know you're always waiting. I always want to get you up here before so that you don't have to come up. <laughs> if you can pray for, if you can pray, if you need prayer for yourself, if you need prayer for others, I, I want you to come forward. Maybe uh, somebody needs salvation, somebody you know. Maybe it's one of your kids. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Come and receive prayer and step up here in faith and ask. Amen? Seeking that, that receiving. And if we ask the Lord, then, then he knows the intent of our heart and we're showing faith. Amen? That doesn't mean he's going to do it right off. That doesn't mean it's going to be within our time frame. But at least we're making our requests known, as Scripture says that we're to do it. Amen?
All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. I thank you for my dad and, and for his experiences in his life and his faith that has, has been a, such a blessing for me. And I thank you for your word that accomplishes its purpose. Lord, I, I pray over everyone in here right now that they would receive a blessing from the Lord, that they would know exactly who you are, that they would be close to you, that the Holy Spirit would grow within them, and that they would hear that still small voice. Lord, I pray for the week ahead. You know what lies ahead. Prepare us and help us to realize there is nothing that we can't face with you. Jesus, we thank you so much for 2020. As difficult as it is to say that, Lord, you have seen us through it. You have been a blessing. I thank you for all of uh, the resources that people have put into the church, all the energy through serving in this last year, all the changes that you've helped them to make, all of the work in the kids area and the work in here in the sanctuary and the video equipment. And Lord, I thank you for all of the offerings that your people have shown up and given. And, and Lord, I even pray over this last offering of the year right now that you would bless it and that you would use it and multiply it so that we can reach outside of our four, four walls and see other people saved. We know it's not just about us, but we're called to bring others with us. We thank you for this. Help us to be a blessing as you have so richly blessed us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.